welcome to episode 45 of Too Old for This Podcast, your safe space for grown-up talk about childish things. On tonight's episode, we are finally, finally, finally going to talk about HBO's Watchmen. Matt Daly's back to join us for this conversation, so let's not waste any time. On nerd and up nerd. Let's go, let's go. Yeah, man. Word, 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 word. JD the MC, DJ Kevin Kev, and Matt Daly back in the house. Ahoy. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing swell. How are you guys doing? Uh, good, 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 good. It's good to finally, finally have you back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope it was worth the wait. For anyone listening who may not remember, uh, our, our good old friend Matt uh, was with us for uh, way back in episode 17 of Too Old for This Podcast uh, for our God, really? wow. for our Godzilla review. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, which How by young the way, we were. Which, yeah, by the way, the stands <laughs> as far and away our most listened to episode of Too Old for This Podcast up to this day. Wow. Which is fat, just fascinating to me, Matt. You must be some kind of celebrity. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. Because no, we've had, we've not like, my- We've had a few guests, right? We've, uh-huh. had, we've had guests with big online uh, profiles, footprints, mm-hmm. so to speak, I guess. We've had panels of like four and five people. Yeah. Uh, all shared the episode, but somehow, whatever you did, wherever you shared it, I'd, probably your, your blog, I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, you got us a lot of traffic. So thank you. And hey, no problem. Glad to, do, glad to provide. <laughs> be of service. Uh-huh. Uh, Good to know, be back, too. Sorry, cutting you off there. But yeah. No worries, no worries. Uh, have you? <laughs> welcome Good to have back, you. So welcome back. We welcome have been waiting. Back. We have been waiting to have our conversation about Watchmen until Matt Daly finished uh, watching it. Who <laughs> 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 slowly um, watches the Watchmen? No. Basically, because this show, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. the show and around the Watchmen uh, franchise, I guess, so to speak. Although uh, Alan Moore, of course, uh, doesn't want anyone to call it that. Uh, <laughs> but let's we'll talk about that. Um, but uh, t- to me, this TV show—I mean, just like, like set the TV show aside uh, for a moment—and uh, and just talking about that um, turned out to be one of the most impressive seasons of television I've ever watched personally. Mm-hmm. And um, Damon Lindelof, uh, to me, like my hat is off to him uh, for pulling off this thing because leading up to this Watchmen TV series. I think there was a lot of reason to be nervous. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. what do you what do you do? Like um the, the the Watchmen fan base is already like a disparate divided kind of group of people, right? Like Yeah, for sure. Anybody who's on Alan Moore's side, fans of the original uh comic book series, um thinks that anything ca- that came after it is hearsay, right? Like um a, a, even an insult to the original uh mm-hmm. But there has been a lot of supplemental material. There was the movie, the Zack Snyder film in 2009, which has a fan base of its own. Yeah. Um, and the original audience is divided on. Um, there's there's also been uh, a, a, a prequel comic book series coming out uh, from DC. I think it's still going on. Um, no, that's the, the prequels came out in, I think it was like 2013 or so. And that was all the before Watchmen series. Right. And, and besides uh, Block, right now, Block right? yeah, which is incorporating it into the DC universe kind of a sequel to the, to the original book. So hmm. I, 
that and kind it, of. Oh, sorry. And, and, and to anyone who's familiar with the history of Watchmen, um, Dave Gibbons is actually involved in everything mm-hmm. that's that's happening. He's a he's a a consultant on the TV show, and he works on the comic books. Um, and he is one of the original two creators of the original series. Yeah, uh, the, the artist. The he's the the visual half of the creative team behind Watchmen. And he's fully on board for all the new Watchmen products. So, uh, you know, there is reason as an original Watchmen fan, if, if you are more a fan of the David Moore side, or sorry, the David Gibbons side of Watchmen than the Alan Moore side, there is, a, you know, there is good reason to, um, to stay loyal. Mm-hmm. But then if you're more of an Alan Moore fan, uh, you know, uh, for people who don't know, Alan Moore, the writer of Watchmen, uh, had a falling out with DC decades ago. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, the deal that he made uh, with DC over the rights for Watchmen uh, did not go anywhere near the way he expected, and he considered uh, himself to be swindled. He, he 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 basically said, you know, DC, you swindled me, and you'll never get the chance again. He swore he would never work with them, never have any contact with them, never speak to them, never accept a check that came from a DC bank account. Wow. Uh, he's, he's adamant about that. Um, so he will have nothing to do with any of this. Um, refuses to watch it, uh, of course, uh, even, but won't get a paycheck for it. Uh, refuses to have his name put on it. And um, so, I mean, this is where I, what I'm talking about when I say the fan base is divided going into this whole project. So Damon Lindelof, who's already a controversial creator, right? Like there are already people who hate him for what happened with Lost, right? Mm. Uh, as much as there are people who, you know, love him for, you know, how great Lost was uh, in its own right. Um, so this whole thing leading up to it, I, I, I guess my whole point here is there was a lot of reason to be worried. There was a lot of reason to be nervous. What's going to happen with this Watchmen uh, series? And I heard people saying they wouldn't watch it before it came out because uh, they were loyal to Al, Al Moore. Uh, my take was always I love HBO and, and you know, the, the high quality uh, of programming that they put out. And uh, I was really looking forward to this. You know, I love Game of Thrones. I love Westworld. A lot of great HBO stuff. Uh, and I was I was absolutely blown away. Like I beyond my expectations. Like this show, even if it wasn't a Watchmen show, uh, you know, if this was if this was all new original characters, to me, uh, like the craziest and greatest superhero stuff I've ever seen on television. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And when it comes to some of the drama and some of the writing and some of the episode six, I want to say of this series, <laughs> I might. It, to me, I might, I, 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 I would put it up against probably anything. Like I can't think of a, an episode of television that I think is a, a greater achievement than that. But I've been, I've been going on and on here. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Six was the one that Kev, I said that. Kev, was, why don't you leave some of your thoughts here? Uh, well, I'm just gonna say episode six was the one that I think I told you that I absolutely love, and that's the one I got mm-hmm. hooked if I remember correctly. <laughs> Um, I'm just trying, I just try to remember which one it was. Now. I remember leading up to episode six, like every week we were like, oh my God, that was so great. And then, oh my yeah. God, I can't believe it got better. And then, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then by episode six, I was like, that was the greatest episode of television I've ever seen. It was hard to watch at times. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like a fun romp. It was, no, no. it was tough. Um, <clears> but that's, it was, that's but the it, one where they was, showed, um, sorry, the hooded Avenger or whatever, uh, hooded uh, justice, hooded, hooded justice, justice, sorry. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. his, his, uh, his backstory, right? His origin story. Yes, okay. yeah. Yeah. The okay. origin story of Hooded Justice, which is so crucial to Watchmen because yeah. he's the original Minuteman, right? He's yeah. the original mm-hmm. fast vigilante. 
right? So the whole thing kind of springs from him. Uh, and it's fascinating because this storyline that Damon Lindelof wrote for Hooded Justice is not the comic story. This is a brand yeah. new take mm-hmm. on Hooded Justice created completely by Damon Lindelof that puts a completely new spin on the Minutemen and the whole thing, really. Mm-hmm. Because the, uh, the the brilliant thing that I think Damon Lindelof does is he solves the Batman quandary for me. And the Batman quandary for me is if I think too hard about Batman, then my willing suspension of disbelief breaks down because... You know, I can I can believe that a guy would be like um, a violent vigilante, mm-hmm. but the costume I can't I can't make my mind I can't wrap my mind around the mask and mm. the bat the bat symbols and the cape I can't make my mind I can't force that into my head. Like, why would somebody do that? Why would you dress up like that? And 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 how could you keep doing that? Like, it's completely impractical. But this guy, Hooded Justice, the reason he wears his mask. To hide his color, his skin color. To, to hide his color, mm-hmm. to hide the fact that he's a black man and living in racist America. But, but there's like so much more to it. Like it is to save his own life, basically, mm-hmm. um, and to sort of fuel his anger. Uh, like in a lot of ways, after what he's been through, right? You know, just as a reminder of the shit he's gone through. Like, yeah, it's like right. This is the driving impetus yeah. for my whole mission. For yeah. Justice and like you want a reason that somebody really cares about justice that much. Like, mm-hmm. like, like this man has a reason. Like, this comic book origin story is the most believable and and like moving and and, and dark, infuriating, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, as, and as a Watchmen fan, like the fact that all of a sudden we have this new twist on hooded justice who's been a character that we've been Mm -hmm. familiar with this whole time but now all of a sudden he's a black man under the hood and the reason the reason that noose that he wears around his neck is an actual noose that was actually on him against him in an attack yeah and um and then there's the whole that you throw in the gay thing on top of Mm -hmm. all of it it's a whole other level of crazy new uh light shed on this story the relationship yeah. between Hooded Justice and uh, the other character's name I'm blanking on now. Captain Metropolis. Captain yeah. Metropolis. Yeah. Who's basically the Captain America, the the wholesome, goody two shoes, all American hero of the of the Minutemen. Yeah. The leader of the team. Yes. Um, has a an illicit, secret, gay sexual relationship with Hooded Justice the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this is portrayed on the show with all of the like shock and just visceral, I don't know, impact that I've like, like more than I've ever felt in any episode of television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even that, like from that, that opening of the first episode too, like the right. whole, his, you know, his, where it shows his backstory in o- Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, that was in, you know, I never knew about that little that piece of American history. The Tulsa race riots. That's Tulsa, interesting. Yeah. I, I originally I originally thought those were fictional. I thought no that Damon, I, I thought that Damon Lindelof created those, but that yeah. I, like Based education. On, like Yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't really yeah, it's like it's sort of <laughs> it's sort of like it's disingenuous to call them race riots. It was a like an actual right, exactly. massacre. I, like, I misspoke. It was it was, no, it was, yeah, I'm not that yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a terrible like and what's interesting too is like I read something in the aftermath of the airing of the show was that it's 
that's being introduced into history curriculum, I think, in Oklahoma. Uh, so it's brought this sort of thing that had been like really glossed over for a century and brought it into the light. So I think that's uh, you know a fascinating byproduct of of the airing of this show. So it's it's nice when you can learn something from 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 watching yeah, something. For sure, like, because, yeah, like how like. The way it was portrayed, it was such a spectacular thing. It was like a, it was like a town was wiped out. Like a, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they portrayed it as the Black Wall Street at the time. Yeah, like it was the center of of black economy that never really existed again anywhere in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the fact that. I mean, that was why I thought it was fictional. I was like, if that actually happened, I would know. Yeah. That, right? like, yeah. I mean, with like, yeah, bomber planes and stuff like that. Like, I did not realize this actually happened. Like, it, yeah, it was sort of such a heavily dramatic opening that, yeah, you can only really feasibly and, think it was fictional. Like, and truly, this is the original origin story of Hooded Justice because mm-hmm. he, uh, his parents are killed in this massacre and he just barely escapes it as a child, but he witnesses all the horror. Yeah. It. Um, it's yeah. a variation on the Superman origin. Exactly. Exactly. Which is so fascinating. He comes, well, from, so. he comes from a planet that was once great, yeah. right? It was once a great shining pillar of his people's civilization, Yeah, but it, it was completely destroyed and he was the only survivor. Yeah. And, and yeah, away on a ship of sorts. And it is it is a great perversion of the Superman tale. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, and Hooded Justice becomes the impetus for all of the Minutemen. So all of the Watchmen springs from this character. So he, so this, all of a sudden, this racial conflict in America becomes pivotal to Watchmen that never mm-hmm. really was, never really was before. Like Watchmen, no. always touched on social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, always touched with always dealt with um issues of power Mm. and and uh, the and the use of power and how and the corrupt use of power um but never really focused on on black white uh relations that much and yeah this was a bold new direction that lindelof took this show in and i was worried at first that this was going to even though it was good you know from the very moment it was very first moment it was gripping it was amazingly told it was an amazing episode of television episode one but i was still worried at this point that this was going to throw the watchman fans off the track right like it was like this was a little too much because the whole thing about the how there's a cult now the cavalry who uh are, were inspired by rorschach's journals mm-hmm. um and rorschach was obviously not a racist not inspired by by racial motivations at all um so the idea that now there's a whole like KKK that started based on Rorschach. Well, that upset some old school Watchmen fans like, because th- like, what are you doing? Are you saying Rorschach's a racist? Why would you even do that? Um, I think, but at the same time, like the comic um, really had, I mean, it portrays Rorschach in a very flawed manner because he's an extreme libertarian. He sees yeah. everything in like very stark black and white terms, hence the mask. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, he kind of wavered. I mean, he was almost fascistic and whatnot as well. So it's, it's believable. He would kind of inspire that type of, 
uh, of uh, well, following, unfortunately. I like, think the, the other main element of, of the cavalry, besides their racism, is their conspiracy theorism. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, they, so they are very much about the whole thing that, that there's a big government conspiracy to control us all and manipulate us all. Yeah. And it's actually true in this case, which is yeah. why, it's another reason why this show is so... Uh, like, uh, it's, uh, intense and powerful. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. because like in this world, this is, this is actually kind of justified. Like they're right. Like they, they're not right about the racism, but they're right about mm-hmm. the conspiracy. Right. And they're right that, um, you know, uh, the, the real villain of Watchmen, Ozymandias, mm-hmm. uh, it did, uh, murder three million people, mm-hmm. and the, the squid attack was a fake, just to put Robert Redford in charge. And it, and they're right about all that. But and 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 their whole thing is trying to expose all of that. But um, the fact that they got it wrapped up with their KKK racism thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is such a realistic. Uh, it, it feels real. It feels like real world to me. It feels like Trumpists to me. Like like yeah, because like when, when, yeah. people come out and they say you can't. You can't dismiss Trumpists as being inhuman. They're still people. They're still decent human Trumpists, right? They just have this this fucked up, broken part, right? And I feel that way with the cavalry. Like there's something of there's something valid to them, but mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, they're fucked up and broken because. But and uh, being manipulated by like right. you know rich, powerful assholes, right. as it turns out, so. right? And just such great. Look, how great is that storytelling, right? It's just yeah, it's it's fully baked, yeah, uh, storytelling, um, and. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. Okay, I I, I ran out of intelligence. <laughs> I ran out of intelligent things to say there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sort of, I mean, that's the thing. It was. Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, it, it it was nice to see something a, a, a follow up to the comic that sort of followed its own path, but respected the source material and really, um, yeah, like really sort of right. continued on in some fashion. Um, yeah, like, cause that's, you know, my, my issue with a lot of these types of things is that, yeah, the source material is often forgotten. So the, how did you, you mess about, with, how did yeah. you feel about the 2009 film then? Because it obviously changed the ending a great deal. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the film. I, I said this, I said this on Facebook. I mean, I went into the film very, very cynical and, you know, expecting something that was terrible and the movie was not good but it was also just not a complete total waste but what my issues with it in the end and this was upon reflection and talking with people who were smarter than i was um was yeah just how like it didn't it just sort of glossed over the themes of the comic and the comic itself is so it's so dense and it's so thick it needs something like the show to kind of to really like go into all the subtext and all the sub characters and how it all ties together that the movie, um, and my problem with the movie in the end was that it just like, it just saw the comic sort of is like, okay, it's a comic that has lots of excessive violence and sex. And so like, it just kind of made that like this sort of like, here's a mature superhero movie without the themes. And, you know, and as I said, it's sort of like, turned Rorschach into this Wolverine-esque badass that people yeah. could like buy masks of and quote and look up to as some sort of badass anti-hero, which was not the case. Like, yeah, like Rorschach was a, a bastard, like in a in a psychopath. And and like that's how Alan, you know Alan Moore kind of wrote him as. Yeah, he was very central and a very interesting character, but 
ultimately not someone to to admire. So, and I think the yeah. movie kind of like not not so much made him admirable, but made him too much of like a yeah, like I say, a Wolverine esque badass. Yeah, I, do. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Alan Moore had any Wolverine in mind. I think Alan Moore definitely wanted to remind us of Batman with Rorschach. I, you know, from his opening panel when he's he's in a Batman pose. Uh, you know, investigating uh, the uh, comedian's murder. Um, I, I feel like Rorschach is Alan Moore's realistic version of Batman. No, like this is what it would take for a person to become a Batman. Um, mm. This this fucked up like uh, you know outsider type we might become like a Batman type, but not a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Kev. Were you you saying something? No, I was going to say it's been a long time since I read the comic and or saw the what was it, two thousand eight movie? Nine, two thousand nine movie. Yeah, uh, I do remember them leaving a lot of subplots out of the uh, out from the book. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was like a bunch of subplots that they that they just completely ignored and are just like. Definitely, um, but that but that's but again, I guess that's movie pacing, right? I guess they were. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, it's like long yeah. form storytelling versus yeah. you know you Short have form, two yeah. and a half hours. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. um, I think like a lot of things. My problem with a lot of film adaptations of comics is that very good comics are written to just be comics, and mm-hmm. and that's this is Alan Moore's problem and so many of his properties that have been turned into movies, and it's yeah that and he he sees it like he wrote it for this particular right medium, and that's why he's able to sort of go as dense or out there as humanly possible and i think that doesn't translate the film always that's alan that's what alan moore says himself he says yeah i, I made these to be comics i didn't make these to be movies or yeah. video games or anything else yeah uh even though I, I was it was funny i did learn last night that he actually did come back for a minute and he uh, advised them on the role-playing game that they made in the 90s oh interesting do you you remember the dc heroes role-playing game i would i played this as a kid like uh incessantly uh i was obsessed with this role-playing game and i actually had one of the two watchmen modules Mm -hmm. oh interesting and i was fascinated to learn i only learned this last night uh this was the one product that dc talked alan moore uh, into coming in and advising them on to make sure that, that it didn't break canon in any way interesting yeah. I guess because you probably saw that it was sort of at least um, somehow like inspiring imagination and and storytelling maybe, was maybe. still who knows maybe he was just young maybe he was just younger yeah. back then and just like less yeah less, less jaded by that yeah, point yeah, yeah maybe mm. uh, who knows but uh, mm. I thought that, thought that was a cool little detail interesting uh, yeah anyway. Uh, Let's talk about the other characters in this show because, wow. Um, Hooded Justice, of course, mm-hmm. appears kind of in different forms, right? Because uh, like we, he's introduced to us as, the mm-hmm. old, as his old man version, Will. Lou Gossett Will. Jr. Yep. Louis Gossett Jr., Will, yeah, who, who is like yeah. a 100-plus-year-old man in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he's crotchety and he's fun. Um, and and he's immediately dropping mysteries all over us. You know, he he's talking about, um, sorry, he's talking about Doctor Manhattan. He's talking about conspiracies, and he appears to be the murderer of Dodge Johnson's character. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Even though, how can this possibly be possible? How can this hundred-year-old man in a wheelchair have strung this guy up from a tree and murdered him? Uh, so he's all mystery at first. 
And, you know, we find out later on that he is uh, the grandfather of our... Ah, uh, what's her name? Angela Angela Abar. Abar. Our hero, hero, our new character, who is the hero of this series, obviously. Um, And, you know, man, it's, you know, it's gradually unfolds that that this guy, Will, is Angela's grandfather. This guy, Will, is is, uh, Hooded Justice. And then we get the whole Hooded Justice origin story through the great, uh, the great mechanism of these pills. Yeah, that exists in the Watchmen universe. Um, what were they called? Rem- nostalgia, Rem- nostalgia, right? Yeah, which ties uh, in, which was brought, which was a, a plot device from the comics too, which is nice to see. So yeah, uh, so that that great episode six was all Angela Abar experiencing her grandfather's memories because That's she right. took his nostalgia pills. Um, man, like what a dense, like like. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. Like, could this could this TV show have have succeeded twenty years ago? Like, I feel like it's so nerdy. It's so there's so many layers rolled into this. Yeah, I think probably like I mean, it's, it's closest analog twenty years ago was probably something like Twin Peaks that was able to be as dense and yeah tangential but, and weird. But right. yeah, like, but that was its I own think, original thing, right? This yeah. is a, this is based on this thing from thirty yeah. years ago that is so obscure in its own right. That I don't know. I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's uh, going off topic here. But I guess, but like, apparently, the the writers of this show were very inspired by the Twin Peaks um, uh, revisitation from a few years back. So really? there was. I was reading something on Cracked that was saying like that episode six. Um, if you watch that, and I forget the episode number of the new Twin Peaks, where it was kind of an origin story of of killer bob or the entities that created killer bob that they're very much have the same kind of story beats they're black and white they're um take place in the past and stuff like that and yeah like and so yeah it's interesting to see like how how it was born out of that like mixed with this superhero origin story um and as someone who really liked the new twin peaks too that was pretty cool to see so I did not. I did not check out the new two Twin Peaks. I wasn't really a Twin Peaks guy. Yeah, I came to it later. So, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, it's it was very revolutionary television for its time, and the 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 new version was pretty fascinating. Actually, it was you know one of those things where you think like thirty years after the fact or twenty whatever year twenty five years after the fact that couldn't work, but it actually did. So. Much like this, like revisiting right, right, right. a comics property that you thought really it shouldn't work, but it somehow managed to. So right. I guess if you don't insult your audience's intelligence, it, it, it rewards them. Right. True, true. Right. right. So th- this TV series takes place at 34 years after the end of the comic series in, the, in this comic universe. Um, and it differs from the movie ending and that the movie changed the ending of the comic. It, instead of having the giant squid teleported into Manhattan, uh, in the movie, Ozymandias fakes an attack by Dr. Manhattan, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, but it's pretty similar. W- what happens is Dr. Man- or Ozymandias creates a fake event that ends up killing 3 million people, but also ends the Cold War and brings peace to the world. Right. Um, you know, there's a nuclear armistice sign, nuclear weapons are done away with, and the world becomes a peaceful place after this. Um, 
and uh, Robert Redford becomes president. Uh, there, Robert Redford uh, takes uh, bold steps in the area of social justice. He gives black people reparations, so it's like tax breaks, basically. Yeah. Um, and they're referred to as Redfordations in this world. And it's, yeah. uh, it's one of the great um, dividing lines, basically. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the divisive things that you know the cavalry focuses on, is that you know uh, this social justice reform was was forced down their throat by the fake president who was put in power by the fake event, right? Um, so they, what they have going on at this time, uh, 34 years later, uh, you know, the world is obviously shell-shocked from the terrible event that happened in New York, 3 million people dying, and uh, it still rains baby squids, Randall. Yeah. This, yeah. this is a great surprise in episode one. Just every once in a while... It just starts randomly raining baby squids, and yeah. people people have just learned to live with this. So traffic has to pretty much stop to a halt because it's pretty dangerous. These baby squids, uh, they can do damage. They mm-hmm. can break windows and stuff. Um, so it's a weird thing where everybody has to stop and clean up all the baby squids after it rains. Uh, but this is a reminder, a constant reminder to everybody about this giant squid event and the three million people who died. So the world basically continues to live in fear from the event that happened. Um, They'll come back. Yeah. Right. And this, and it, another interesting facet is that Robert Redford has been president for something like 30 years. So they changed the laws so that, so that the term limits were removed. So it's kind of become like a totalitarian state, even though it's a very, like left-wing, socially progressive, totalitarian state, yeah. um, which is I another I, another great, I think, twist to this show. Like it's like you can't get fully behind anything, right? Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, I think it's sort because of, I mean, in the comic, it was it was established, I think, that Nixon uh, during Nixon's time in office that he did away with term limits because he was still president as of the time of that book. So, I guess, yeah, like. Redford continues that tradition, but yeah, swaying more to the liberal left side or something like that. So it's just yeah, two sides of the same coin. Obviously, I was aware of that. I was yeah, aware. yeah. So um, it, it, they they yeah they they I think they fleshed it out, fleshed that aspect out a, a lot more with the Redford thing, like mentioning that. Like I just I never I don't think I it's been a while since I've actually read the comic, but I, I'd forgotten. I just thought oh yeah, Nixon's president, but I never realized. Or forgotten about it being that yeah he did away with term limits uh, and you know because they won Vietnam and stuff like that so I guess he coasted to re-election you know, based on that and just kept going from there so 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 yeah. the, so, the, so the corruption of the previous right wing government was just perpetuated by the preceding left wing government mm-hmm. and 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 you know it's another. It's another moment of just forcing realism into this. It's like nobody's mm-hmm. gonna be nobody's gonna be the good guy. You're not gonna get to, you're not gonna get to root for anybody. Yeah, no um, white hats here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, like, okay. So, picking up with our other characters. So we find out that um, Ozymandias, thirty four years later, um, uh, you know, originally we don't know where he is. We see mm-hmm. him in we see him in this idyllic chateau being served by servants who seem a little weird, um, <laughs> like they worship him like a god. Yeah. And as this thing progresses, we slowly figure out that he's not even on Earth, 
And, um, you know, we don't find out till the very end of the story exactly what's going on. It unfolds as this as the season progresses. Spoiler alert, by the way. I don't know if I should have said that at the beginning, but we're going to talk about everything. Um, but we find out, you know, eventually that he's not even on Earth. He's on Titan. He's, he's in this imaginary kind of world that uh, Dr. Manhattan created when he left Earth at the end. It's another thing, continuation from the uh, from the comic book. Uh, at the mm-hmm. end of it, at the end of it, Doctor Manhattan says, "I'm leaving because he doesn't want to be around humans anymore. Humans are too complicated. He wants to go off and be alone and just create life." So, mm-hmm. so uh, in this TV show, we find out where he went was Titan. Even though I think he kind of said in the comic that he was leaving the galaxy, so I feel like that's kind of a a little bit of a mis- misstep there. But I'm not I'm not I'm not 100 on that. Um, but anyway. Uh, we get a lot of fun watching Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, um just uh, trying to escape. He wants to come home. He wants to come back to Earth, basically. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Manhattan has kind of stranded him there. Uh, so he spends eight years basically trying to get get out because he's bored. Um, <laughs> and uh, his plan is so creative and so cool. And the... the you know, we spent the whole season figuring out what it is, and the final reveal at the end in the finale is—it's just so cool to me. The whole thing. Uh, thoughts? Which uh, guys? Which part? <laughs> Ozzy Man- and his plot, um, and and, and okay. his whole his whole are you plot talking, line. Are you talking about when he was like uh, sh- shark putting the uh, the clones or whatever the fuck you want to call them um, over the wall? Yeah, they're pretty much or clones. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes. Over the wall to over the to, barrier, yeah. yeah. The barrier to spell out, uh, please save me or whatever it was. He found the edge of the rendered polygons yeah. in his game in his game world, yeah. and and he broke the game physics by by launching clones out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, just because he he knew that it, it his what is revealed to be his daughter's satellites were, right. were keeping an eye on him. Yeah. And so they he would, knew, he knew that she was sending a probe there and he knew what year it was going to arrive Yeah, because, because she went and, and met him back in 2008. I think it is in the timeline of this world. I believe you're uh, right. Yeah. And she tells him his whole plan and part of her plan. She says, I built a rocket ship and I sent it to Titan because I, 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 we detected an energy signal there that I'm sure is Dr. Manhattan. So I'm sending a spaceship there to make, to find out. Cause I think Dr. Manhattan's on Titan. Yeah. Um, so then Ozymandias ends up getting teleported to Titan, but he knows his daughter has sent a spaceship there. So his plan to escape is to send a, is to put a message on the surface of Titan mm-hmm. for his daughter's spaceship to see when it arrives. Yeah. Such a, like such convoluted storytelling, right? Like, <laughs> like this learning all of this de- depends on these this flashback to two thousand eight, yeah, and, and then having like little drips of clues revealed to us through like ten episodes. Like the storytelling, the level of just I, I want to say clockwork. You know, it's fitting mm-hmm. for Watchmen. I mm-hmm. want to say that that this story is crafted like clockwork. There's so many moving pieces in so many places that come together so beautifully. Anyway. Yeah. 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 And those, (laughs) and those Ozymandias bits really, they kind of like reminded me of a lot of the supplemental material in the comics, which is what I liked, like having a sub story that 
either comes in the middle of an episode or at the end of an episode sort of, and it keeps an intriguing kind of subplot going. So, right. Um, yeah. And it, and it keeps Ozymandias busy until yeah. we need him in the, yeah. in the finale. Yeah. And we get this great Jeremy Irons performance, which is, yeah, he's fantastic. It's, yeah. It's, it's just so fun. The whole, it was so fun every time he was on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was just fantastic. A, yeah. He's a sort of the perfect. He's the perfect actor to portray such a sort of pompous asshole, which is right. what Ozymandias really is. And right. I, I, you know, I, that's and that was another, yeah. I think that was like once again the guy who you know not to insult the person who played him in the movie, but the, the pompousness and the self righteousness was really lacking in that character. And he almost in the movie he almost just seemed like your your typical antagonist and and. There's you know, Jeremy Irons played him with that sort of delusion of grandeur and and whatnot, and right. it was always anytime he appeared on screen, he was just yeah, kind of perfect in that role. This just reminded me again of a point that I wanted to make earlier. I feel like the TV series didn't it like even though it didn't take the movie's ending, it, it it's a continuation of the comic, not the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like it took visual cues from the movie. I feel like it's still. I feel yeah. like it still gives a lot to the fa- to people who are fans of that movie, in that it mm. it does visually take a lot of cues from the film, oh, and yeah. the and the film was visually very very faithful to the comic too. That was one thing that the film did. I think was really got the the Gibbon side part right more than it got the uh, the writing right. Even the advertising was very reminiscent of the uh, the movie as well, um, like you know, like the posters and all that stuff. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, they definitely kept. But the movie took it all from like took all the advertising from the the graphics of the comics. Yeah. So, right. Granted. So. So yeah, no, definitely um, stays true in that respect. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I just feel like mm, this TV series doesn't like doesn't choose to shit on the movie. It 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 it's like okay, I'm gonna take things I like from here. I'm gonna take things I like from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was just my take. I don't know. It's a subtler, but I mean, the show, I think, is a subtler use of CGI than the movie. It's sort of my one problem with Snyder's movies is they all look like green screens. Yes. And that's one thing that really bothers me. And, and, um, you know, in this, the fact that, you know, when there's the Dr. Manhattan reveal, it it looks like a, you know, or it's an augmented version of of the, the person. Versus yeah. like uh, a, a, a computer generation and and you know and then like when I found out like you know with um with Looking Glass's mask was apparently a lot of that was CGI affected but it looked so natural like it I did thought. look they natural they created yeah. this I thought, wow they created this mirrored type of material for his his mask but I thought that was real yeah I did yeah That's cool so uh, yeah sorry yes. Were you done? <laughs> yes, anyway, my, okay. that was my that was my rant. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, no, I thought that mask was was real too, and and really cool. Um, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. That was I, I, I questioned about Ozzy Question mm-hmm. because I I took from the two thousand nine movie, and you know, it's I I did read the comic, and I own like the first three issues of the original print of the original series, um, mm-hmm. but but I'm not I'm I'm not really up to snuff on the details anymore they've they've all left my mind (laughs) 
so when I but when I watched the 2009 movie, I got the impression that Ozymandias had superpowers, that he was had that because he caught a bullet. So I thought that he had like super speed, and the reason he was so smart was because he could think faster than everybody else. Did I just make that up? Am I completely off on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's just he's he's always just he's a. Uh... A super intelligence, basically, like, and and I think was able to, the I, I believe, you know, perfect his perfect his physical person. So he probably has like he learned all you know, kind of was able to learn all these, uh, kind of like Batman, you know. They so he just taught under, himself uh, to catch a bullet somehow. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's like because no one, the only in that universe, quote unquote, is the only superpowered being is dr manhattan everyone yeah, right everyone were just were augmented physical people or yeah exactly right or, right, right so the whereabouts of dr manhattan is is treated as one of the biggest mysteries uh in the beginning of this show anyway mm-hmm. um, and uh there we he is assumed to be on mars there is a there is a tv station or or like a web stream that everybody watches Whoops. That appears to be Dr. Manhattan on Mars building yes. stuff. Um, so the whole world believes he's there. And they have these cool phone booths, which I yeah. thought was, was was an awesome an awesome touch. Um, they, also there a are fantastic f- episode. Yeah. Uh, With, sorry. <laughs> let me grab the, epi- the title of the episode. Uh, which one are we talking about? She, she was, was killed, killed by, by space, space junk. Oh, space junk. Um, which right. is a, a favorite of mine because it's a it's a reference to Devo, and uh, oh, I love I love Devo, and uh, I did yeah, not so know that. It was a when we reference. my wife and I were watching that episode, we were both giggled with pleasure, um, and and it was such a good like that was uh, the introduction of Lori in that yeah. episode was and yeah. she was amazing too. So Lori um, is a character from the original comic. She was Silk Stocking. She's the, the second Silk Stocking. Uh, Silk Spectre. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She was the girlfriend of um, of Doctor Manhattan. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was the romantic love relationship of Doctor Manhattan throughout the series, and um, her story was um, was uh, pretty twisted and messed up. She was uh, the product of uh, of a rape. Um, Her (laughs) father. Her father was the comedian, and her mother was the original Silk Spectre. Um, and she was, and she was, um, yeah, uh, the comedian, mm-hmm. raped, the comedian raped her mother and, um, and she learned that in the comic series and that was a big part of her character arc. Um, mm-hmm. and when we pick up with her here, 34 years later, um, oh, I should also mention that she had a relationship with, uh, Night Owl. Yes. Uh, in the series, um, and, that, and when the series ended, she was with Night Owl, and the yes. two of the two of them had decided that they were going to take up their vigilante life again together. Um, so when we see her here, uh, it's thirty four years later. She's not with Night Owl. Uh, we actually learn that Night Owl is in prison, um, and she is working for the FBI and actually hunting vigilantes now. She's a she's yeah a part part of the vigilant the FBI's anti vigilante task force, hmm. and. We find out that after the events of Watchmen, she adopted 
the comedian's name and identity, and she became the masked vigilante known as the Comedienne, and she carried yeah, a gun, right. and she adopted his violence, and uh, she really kind of, um, even though the whole thing in Watchmen was uh, like how she hated the comedian, her father, uh, she ends up uh, adopting his identity afterwards, which is, uh, you know, this character, Laurie, is, is so great. Um, and I, mm-hmm. man, I forget the name of the actress who portrays her in the series. She's Dean Smart. Okay, thank you. She's from yeah, so she's, much. She's been in everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, kills it in this. Yeah, she's so badass. She's so <laughs> uh, her, her tough. Just her wit is yeah, and funny. Definitely funny. Cynical yeah. and witty. Yeah, like just um, her one-liners. And she is pining for Doctor Manhattan, right? So, and like we're learning here, we, when we left her, she was she was still with Night Owl and in love with him. Uh, but here she is. Um, obviously, she's not with Night Owl. He's in prison, and she's pining for Doctor Manhattan. And she's using these phone booths. There are phone booths all over the place where people can leave messages that are supposedly sent to Doctor Manhattan on Mars. Yeah. And uh, Laurie Blake just goes to these phone booths and talks to Dr. Manhattan, sending him messages. Um, and it's, it's sad and it's, it's so cool. It's like, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like the whole time watching this show, I'm like, Oh, it's so, it's just cool. I can't get over it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, the episode ends, uh, you know, we see her early in the episode sending this sad message to Dr. Manhattan in this phone booth and not knowing if he's even hearing it and probably yeah. not. Probably not. Yeah. Phone booths are probably a scam. Um, but then at the very end of the episode, a car drops out of the sky and it appears like Dr. Manhattan may have been listening to her and maybe answering her when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is just so fucking cool. But we later we later learn that's not the case. Yeah. No, that's not yeah. the case. Doctor Manhattan yeah. is actually not on Mars. Uh, the whole thing is a fake, and Doctor Manhattan is secretly living as the uh, live-in boyfriend. Are they married or are they just? Uh, they are married, girlfriend? I believe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, married, so, the, yeah. so the husband of Angela Abar, yeah. who is the hero of this series. Yes, and we haven't even talked about Regina King yet. Um, yeah, I mm, know yeah, it's it's so many good actors on this on this show that mm. how do we give them all the, the time they deserve, you know, yeah. but, yeah. but yeah, her as the heart of it really yeah, deserves. She is. Of... Yeah. She is the heart of this. Her character, uh, uh is it lady night? Uh, uh, sister night. Sister night. Sister night is her, is her vigilante name. Um, and she's, she's a police officer and the police, police force, yeah. police force in this town, all wear masks in Tulsa because of another event that happened, an event called the White Knight, where the where the cavalry basically murdered police officers in their homes. Uh, all the police decided that they were going to be anonymous from now on and wear masks. Mm-hmm. So Angela yeah. Angela Abar uh, adopts a mask and adopts the identity of Sister Knight, um, and she uh, you know she's a good guy. She's a crime fighter for real. Uh, she's not you know one of the corrupt twisted characters of the show she's mm-hmm. the, she's the actual altruistic character of this whole thing yeah. uh including uh the 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 important detail that she has two adopted children who uh were actually the children of one of her uh police uh comrades who was killed in the white night mm-hmm. uh, so these children were orphaned by the uh by the cavalry and she took them in and she's raising them now. 
Um, so yeah, uh, Angela, I would like like the one really good guy character in this in this whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, we find out that she is the granddaughter of Hooded Justice. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is it is great symmetry in that uh, Sister Knight is kind of the 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 whole center of the whole thing. The way Hooded Justice was the whole center of the Minutemen and uh, the impetus for the entire thing, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since, since we're talking about uh, Regina King, um, I felt like the episode, uh, I believe it was titled A Man Walks Into the Bar. Man Walks Into a Bar, yeah. Man Walks Into a Bar. A Bar. There you go. That, yeah. that was no, it's a like God walks into, walks into a bar. Right. Yes. So anyways, um, yeah, yes. that episode I thought yeah. was brilliant as well. Um, mm-hmm. Right? Because there yeah. was the yeah. Dr. Yeah. Manhattan... Um, what was it like the festival, or whatever? And then he was actually Doctor Manhattan, and then sits down and basically tells him, tells her that she he's in love with her <laughs> because he foreseed the whole entire um, relationship before it even happened, <laughs> right? So, but yeah, no, I thought that was a, yeah a brilliant episode as well. Yeah, fantastic mm-hmm. Doctor Manhattan, <laughs> and and you know this is from the this is from the comic deck. Doctor Manhattan is constantly struggling with. The fact that he does not perceive time in the same way that human beings do. Yeah. He sees time all at once. So like the past is happening to him at the same time as the future and the present. Yeah. And uh, we spend like a whole episode basically of him sitting across the table from Angela Abar explaining all this to us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this, is, this is the first episode where we get Dr. Manhattan in the show. Yeah. So the fact that we get this entire episode of just fantastic good old fashioned Dr. Manhattan-y goodness is, it is great. Um, all through dialogue. Yes. Yeah, through yeah, dialogue, yeah, just, yeah. like just sitting at this table, mostly. Yeah. Um, you know, we also get some of Angela's backstory, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and her Viet- Vietnamese childhood and, and the tragedy there, um, which is, which is also fantastic. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, it is no surprise to me that David Oops. Lindelof has said, uh, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? because like this season would have taken so long to write. Like, what was the movie that, uh, that she wanted to watch, but she was too young. I'm trying to remember. Oh, remember it was, um, what was, was it? Sister Black, it was Sister Night. It was Sister Night. I was going to say oh, Black. Right, yeah, right. It was, okay. yeah. It was a yeah. black exploitation. That's black right. exploitation yeah. film about a, Right. Yeah, a nun, a killer nun. Yeah, and Which yeah, so where she got her name from? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> See, I sort of like it's it's like, and that's another thing. Like my, another thing, I think the movie got wrong is they never really they never this one captured what Doctor Manhattan's personality and and everything was more so than the movie where he was just an omni powerful guy running around with his dick hanging out it seemed to mm-hmm. they never really went into the the conflict or the extent of the way his brain operates and, and, and you know his godlike you know time shifting abilities so I think right. that's once again where the show was able to really you know go deeper with right at first I was worried about about this storyline too because uh, the plot of the comic is basically that Dr. Manhattan loses his ability to be in a romantic relationship mm. with Silk Spectre because he's losing his humanity throughout the story. Mm. 
at the end of it, he's like, I just, you know, I just don't relate to any of this anymore. I just don't care about any of this anymore. And that's why he goes away. So the fact that he comes mm. back in the story, they Lindelof kind of flips his character. He kind of he kind of says, okay, instead of the godlike powers taking away his humanity, we're going to talk about how the godlike powers might uh, like amplify or exacerbate his humanity and make yeah, him, it's, make him more extremely human than 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 you could possibly be. It um, seems like the uh, the creation of life. On on uh, oh good point. Uh, while while away, I think that probably reawakened it because he good talks point. about you know how he based he based the the clones on that planet on two people you know when he when him and his father got taken in right. when he was a child uh, during, when he was a child just people who showed him true kindness and stuff yeah. like that and I think it probably helped him appreciate but then yeah. there was something fundamentally missing from that reality so he returned to Earth. Yes. So yeah. That, that is a great point. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He that sort is... of needed the complexities that we have built into us, uh, but I think to make him appreciate life again. Uh, what did you think of the actor who played Doctor Manhattan in this? In this? Um, looking up his name now. Uh, yeah, was it a different actor in this episode? Because you never see his face, or was it the? No, he was wears the, a mask. Yeah, which is the brilliance of this episode. Uh, yeah. it's still him, uh, but he's wearing a Doctor Manhattan mask when he first sits down with Angela, and he wears it for most of their conversation. That's right. Um, so I don't think there is ever a different actor playing mm. until it is revealed that it is him. Ah. Right, and they go to a mo- they go to a morgue and they find a corpse whose face he takes. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I think he might be wearing the mask like the entire time until that point. Yeah, because he, when he takes you know, when he takes it off in the bar that they're talking in, they never they never pan up. Right, they don't show. Is, it, yeah. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's so when you do, but then when you see him when he has revealed finally in the in the final episodes as Doctor Manhattan, it is the the actor playing her husband. So yeah. it's the same guy that becomes played, his new. Um, Played Mantis in uh, Aquaman. Oh, that's right. That's who it is. Uh-huh. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yaha Abdul Mateen II. The uh, second. I'll leave it there. That's yeah. That good. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do it justice, so I wouldn't even try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yaha Abdul Mateen the second. Yeah, um, he was great. Uh, mm. <laughs> Um and 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 they showed his dick. I, I didn't think yeah. they were gonna. I didn't think they were gonna do it at first. I think so either. Yeah. I think they waited. They waited till like the like the third episode he was in uh, before they did it. But um, yep. Uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Watchmen without Doctor Manhattan's dick. Yeah. Like I, yeah, exactly. I felt like I felt like yeah, you had to do that. You had to. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, there has to be some weenus. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you have that. Go ahead. Because you have that in an early episode when when uh, Ozzy Mendias is creating the play on the story of Doctor Manhattan, right, and right. one of the cl- he has one of the clones painted blue and with his wiener hanging out. Right, and, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so basically, we find out the plot of the whole thing is that um, 
people are trying to capture Dr. Manhattan to kill him and steal his powers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people, now that we know, and this is, this would happen in the real world. This is good by Lindelof, right? Now that we know that there's a person who has omnipotent godlike powers, now everybody's trying to figure out how to steal it from him so they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so Use that's, it for their own. Yeah. This is basically the plot of, that the cavalry are up to. The white supremacist secret movement that's behind, you know, underneath the texture of everything in the show. Um, their whole thing is their they they have this crazy technology, by the way, which is this show goes off on these great tangents, right? And the thing with the isn't it TVs? Uh, no, it's watch batteries. Watch. The, the watch batteries. Down, watch it's another thing. It's another thing. They're oh. all they're 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 gathering watch batteries to get the radioactive material off. Oh, okay. Them, yeah, sorry. But what's uh, the, the technology that they have that they have that uh, affects people's minds or something? Oh man. Oh yes. Yeah, oh yeah. The film. Oh yeah. That's right. The movie. The movie cameras. The movie oh, yeah, camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Right, you know, um, there's this the whole, subliminal messages to yeah, this like whole weird tangent yeah. for black people came. to basically be violent. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. And yeah, hooded justice, right. hooded justice, hooded justice figures out a plot yeah. that white supremacists are mind controlling black people with movie cameras. Right? Is that yeah? No, not with movie cameras. Those with the uh, with the movies. And movies and and, and and injected is, message or inserted yeah. message. And I think and it's they, sort of, a, and it's kind of like um. To ensue riots in their theaters, in their towns, right? right. So they it's also would it's, kill, kill themselves, right? Yeah, and it's also like a light thing because remember that's what he uses on Don Johnson to sort of put and him that was under his mind control. The brilliance, yeah. the brilliance. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, the brilliance like of this storytelling because we spend how many episodes trying to figure out how did Lewis Gossett Jr. hang? Yeah, him, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and. They go off on this weird fucking tangent with these movie projectors, yeah. and, and I'm like, I'm like, my god, this is cool, but what? Are, where are we going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and then boom, we come back to the moment with Louis Gossett Jr. in the wheelchair, and he's got this fucking flashlight that has the yeah. power of the movie projectors, yeah. and the flashlight controls Don Johnson's mind, and it's. Oh, yeah, man, man, I, 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 th- I probably stood up and applauded at that moment when when Louis <laughs> yeah. Gossett Jr. pulled out that flashlight and started using it on Don Johnson, and I was, and oh, I realized, yeah. I realized I had just sat through uh, like an hour of explanation building up yeah. for that moment. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, pretty, pretty. It pay, yeah. The fact that it pays off, like, like. Amazingly, like, so like, yeah, where exactly. is this going? And then, oh my god, it's going to that place that I was wondering about since episode mm-hmm. like two. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm geeking out hard now. I'm geeking out hard in these memories uh, of these episodes. Um, <laughs> um, okay, um, I, like I said. It, I watched this show. I think we wrapped. I wrapped uh, watching the show. I think in January. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the the uh, I want to call her the 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 billionaire, the little lady. Okay. Lady true. Lady true. The yeah. trillionaire. Yeah. The world's the world's first trillionaire. 
Right. We're, um, okay, so I don't remember uh, which episode it was that they introduced her, but she like approached that family and she was basically yep. trying to buy their uh, house, whatever it was. Because yeah, she episode wanted five, to, I believe. Because, yeah. she, because she knew the, the comet was going to crash there. Yeah. She needed the comet. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then she like basically offers them a child because he knew they knew he knew that they were con- trying to conceive, but she yep. made literally like their child and offered it yep. basically the child to the house, and yep. then later yeah. on, <clears throat> because uh, she's so brilliant and she can create life, um, that whole uh, subplot of her basically bringing her mother back to life as yeah. yeah. Um, the little it's girl. her daughter. Yeah, another yeah. amazing character yeah. by Damon Lindelof. Like this mm-hmm. character. Is so, first of all, Lady True's origin story: her mother was a servant of Ozymandias right. in his in his Antarctic uh, secret base, which I forget the name of now. He's got a name for it. Mm. Um, yeah, shoot, I forget now too. Well, okay, but mm. her her mother was like one of his maids. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had a vault of his own sperm yeah. in yeah. his office. Her mother went into the vault, took a vial of Ozymandias sperm, and injected herself with it. That's right. And had la- her baby True, who was a genius like Ozymandias, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like True's origin story is already so amazing. Like. First of all, it's a there's a white supremacy thing going on here, right? Uh, like uh, Ozymandias is such uh, like a classic white uh, patriarchal character, right? He's a he's a yeah, child, white, white child savior of, complex. Yes, yes, child of privilege, right? Um, and and basically, all of his power comes from his privilege. Basically, like he comes from a billionaire yeah. family, and he talks about in the show how he turned away his his family fortune and built his own. But he still was born to the family fortune, right? Like, it still Mm -hmm. is responsible for him becoming who he was. So the fact that his Asian servant, right, a person who has nothing and a minority, which is important for this show, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like, this is intentional. This is definitely intentional. Um, And it caught, yeah, from a a conquered... uh, country yeah. says look yeah. i am i am going to steal your power this is oh what's the ancient thing about stealing the fire from the gods what's prometheus the, yes this is the myth of prometheus yeah. this is what yeah. this is when true's mother steals his sperm and injects herself with it she's stealing his god fire and creates yeah. true who lady yeah. true is this and, and lady true builds her her fortune she's so brilliant she's the first trillionaire and she also has a plan we don't we don't know what the plan is until the very the very end we find out in the finale. But spoiler alert, <laughs> she's also trying to capture Doctor Manhattan and steal his power yeah. because she thinks I'm so smart and I'm so good that uh, if I have this power, I can save the world. She thinks her her motives are altruistic, mm-hmm. kind of the kind of the same way Ozymandias thought his mm-hmm. motives were altruistic in the original series. It's amazing parallel storytelling, but it's also amazing original story. Like if these are original characters that weren't based on anything before, it's still fantastic, right? Like mm-hmm. so so great this character truth. Yeah. Um and 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 then we find out in, in the very finale, I think the reason her name is true is because she's actually the true villain of the show. Which she doesn't appear to be. She appears yes. to be, you know, she saves Angela Abar. She uh, does all kinds of things that you think, you know, she saves Ozzy Mandias. Uh, um, but uh, we don't know what her her final plan is. We don't know that she's actually trying to kill uh, Doctor Manhattan, and she actually does kill Doctor Manhattan uh, <clears> at the <throat> end of this. 
Um, so that was my take on her name was that she's <laughs> true means true villain. I don't know. <laughs> Much uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, her, her daughter, Bianne, is another great thing. Uh, it's a clone of her mother. Yeah, that was a, an interesting twist. I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But I didn't catch... See, if it's a clone of her mother, then how is Bianne super intelligent? Like, I, did, I didn't catch... Did, did she say that she mixed some of Ozymandias' DNA in? Yeah, I didn't, well, that is a good question. Um, I don't but, know, unless she anyway. just, she raised her herself, so probably, like, you know, very much, she has certain personality traits of her mother, but is able to, like, pass along her, you know, her, her vast well of knowledge and stuff like that. Sure, so she can, raise she can her, give, raise her own can, image. She can give her an education like no yeah. other. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe that can be her, Bianne's version of super intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. but again, it's kind of like Ozzy mind dies. It's kind of a privilege is my superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the cycle begins anew. <laughs> I feel, I feel like where the show ended, we were set up for, I, I, I thought I was surprised when Lindelof said, I don't know if there'll ever be a season two, honestly, because even though I, what I said still stands that I, I couldn't believe he could write another season in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt where this ended, it was totally set up for a season two. I felt like, yeah, no, like, be, like, like Beanne, True's daughter, and uh, Angela's kid, uh, the, 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 the boy who stopped and took that, that long look at Sister Knight's costume when they were in the lair, like, I'm the next Batman, yeah. uh, basically, mm. was, was the moment that I was taking from that. Um, I felt like, we were set up for the next generation of heroes in 10 years or, or the next, the next conflict was that, you know, that, that little boy was the new hero character. And then Bianne was the new villain character mm-hmm. and they're both adults now. Um, and then or is it, or is it reversed because it's like, you know, like maybe, you know, perhaps like it'd be an interesting reversal because he's sort of an angry kid. At, right. Know, Either way. So right. Yeah. Whatever you do, I thought they were setting us up for, okay, season two, there's going to be a time jump and these kids are going to be grown up and, and then we're going to f- probably find, uh, you know, like night owl will be in prison with Ozzy Mendias. Right. And mm. that'll be, that'll be another, that'll be season two, Ozzy Mendias in prison instead of Ozzy Mendias trapped on the, on Titan. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I was surprised um, by the announcement that there might not ever be a season two. Um, and I honestly, I mean, we're gonna obviously get get to the conversation about all that when we finish talking about this the the series. But um, mm-hmm. I think there will be a season two. But um, hopefully, just maybe not. <laughs> I kind of hope there's. I kind of hope there's maybe not. not for, <laughs> maybe not for like two three years. So. Yeah, if it does happen, let it happen naturally versus like, okay, right. this was successful. Let's squeeze as much life out of it as we can. Right. But it like, doesn't happen. Detective yeah. Story took like three years off, right? Like, because the second oh, season sucked. Okay. Like, the second season sucked. They already said so. <laughs> and then they, they took like two years to write another one. And I oh. think I think that's what we're going to have. I think that's what's going to happen here, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I, but anyway... Um, to complete our wrap up of of the of the the show, anyway. Uh, 
So, um, let's talk about the finale, I guess. Um, I actually, when we got to the finale, it was the kind of the first episode, even though it was great, you know, it's, I want to talk about everything that happened in it because it's amazing. But, um, it was the first time that I felt like maybe the pacing was a little rushed and maybe I could see that. Yeah. I felt like we wrapped up so many things that I thought could have been three or four season plot lines. Uh, and, and I, 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 I felt like there was there was a lot of stuff where we just had a lot more room to tell more story where we just like, like when lady true just, this just kills all of the cavalry. I was like, mm. I was like, that can't like, that can't be right. Like that can't be the end of the cavalry storyline. Right. Like it can't just be like after all of the, like we've, we've just witnessed on screen a couple hundred years of racial injustice. It feels like, and it was building. I like, it was building and building and building. And then lady true just goes, Oh fuck you. You're all dead. And then I kind of I like that aspect of it. Yeah. It was a great moment. It was it was yeah. a fun, it was a fun moment. But like, is that that's what you kind of would? Is that the culmination of the storyline though? Like, is that is that a is I don't know. Does that feel like consistent with the storytelling that we've been hanging with? I think so because it's like I mean, ultimately, I guess ultimately in the end, it was I, like there's so many characters on that show that have like delusions of grandeur and they're they're primed for that and they're really true we're truly you know unimportant in the general scheme i mean sure they were the catalyst for the birth of of hooded justice and they set everything in motion but ultimately they were you know really just utterly useless and and not important at all in the general scheme of things so it's it's fitting that she would just you know pretty much with a flick of a switch, wipe them all out. And I, I think it was a great doctor. It was a great lady true moment in that. Yeah. We spent, yeah. All, spent all this time with the cavalry. Like we saw that we saw their like, like hundred years of deception and plotting and scheming and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, their whole, their whole thing with the watch batteries and the, and the, and whole they, thing, the movie. And they ultimately couldn't. And then lady you know, true. They thought they could. One person. But also, like the 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 brilliance. Sorry for cutting you off there. Oh, no, no, no. But the brilliance of of like you know the the politician guy thinking you know he's got it all figured out and he's gonna steal Doctor Manhattan's powers and stuff like that. And he you know it's this yeah. self important bullshit like supervillain type of speech. And yeah. when he absorbs Doctor Manhattan's or energy, it just turns him to goo because that's what's going to happen. You know because it's like you're not as smart as you think you are. And right. And just the fact that he just ends up as a puddle, like it's, it's pretty right. hilarious. Right. Like it's just, yeah, it's kind of, it's funny cause it's sort of more true to life in that sense. Like, you know, you see all these types, of, you know, you see all these types of superhero movies or James Bond movies where the villain, you know, talks about his grand plan and gets thwarted in some sort of really highly dramatic fashion, but real, realistically speaking, yeah, he would get turned to, a puddle of mush. It's and... like the incredible say monologuing. Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. are you actually monologuing right now? Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm wondering now. Now that we're talking about this scene specifically, I'm wondering: should we be viewing this through the whole social justice storyline lens? That I because mean, this is because this is all the culmination of all of this that we've been building up to, and I'm wondering. Maybe we should see Lady True's defeat of the white supremacists as 
through that lens, right? So it's the arrogance of the white supremacists that 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 brings them down, and it's the intelligence of mm-hmm. the um, you know the underprivileged minority who has stolen Prometheus's fire that mm-hmm. defeats, that defeats them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that I'm smart enough to really analyze this. <laughs> um, but, but, but then ultimately, like, despite, you know, despite her, you know, being a minority, like, you know, she's human and prone to the same arrogance. And, right. and oh, ultimately, she's and, making the same mistake they are. Yeah, precisely. Except she's a lot smarter and more capable of it than they are. But, yeah, ultimately. It's, Is that even true? Oh, because, because, because she doesn't fail because of of her arrogance, she fails because Ozymandias, uh, she fails because Dr. Manhattan basically is smart and teleports Ozymandias back to his base and, and, and so that he can drop the frozen squids yeah. on, on the machine and blow it up. So I don't even know that we can say that she makes a parallel mistake or that just that she's defeated. Just that Ozymandias kind of wins yeah she's she's defeated by someone more arrogant than she is and right with the a lot ori- more the original a lot more experience yeah exactly. I, I, I guess this is this this can be seen as homage um because you know what like i remember like uh in the build-up to rise of skywalker when people are talking about uh what their expectations were and how many i got i went crazy because people would say stuff like if ray beats palpatine I'll never watch Star Wars again, right? Because because like mm. that character cannot possibly be the power level that could beat that character. It's this it's this total like Pokemon way of looking at things, right? Like <laughs> the, like this this magic cards generation or something. I don't know, but uh, it's a David and Goliath type of story. But maybe maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's an intentional tip of the hat to the original that the original villain defeats the new villain. Um, I, I just thought of that. I just thought that that, that, that might be a tip of the hat. But, yeah, um, and then um, and then and then amazingly at the end, he's once again he's brought down by his own arrogance because right. he has the and, delusion of being the savior of humanity, and you know he still killed three million people. And Laurie, who's he's probably always seen as beneath him, and 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 looking glass, you know just bring him down in a matter of seconds. And I thought that was sort of brilliant because it's very, yeah. very, very cool. Very yeah. cool. excellent point too, because this is the culmination of Lori Blake's storyline. She has mm-hmm. said she wants to arrest, uh, she wants to arrest Ozzy Mendes and mm-hmm. she, and the very end of this, she that she gets to, and I, I, it's cool. It kind of undoes the ending of the original Watchmen, right? Cause mm-hmm. I like, it ends with Ozzy Mendes getting away with his mm-hmm. heist. Right. And this, concludes with part two concludes with no he doesn't actually get away with it he's yeah. going to jail he's going to jail for yeah. murdering three million people but yeah exactly. i think i think if we do explore another season of this that we'll see the flip side of this is that now he's finally going to get the reckon the recognition he always wanted right like he he's going to yeah. go on trial he's going to go on trial for the murder of three million people, but he's finally going to get to look into a camera and say, I saved you. It was my brilliance. And he's finally going to get credit. Cause I think part of what they were showing about it, like Ozzy Mendes fall from grace was that he was just really sad that 
that he couldn't take a victory lap, that he had to keep it a secret what he did. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and as he says about like Lady True, you know, he's he he refers to her as a um, a flaming narcissist, and you know he should know because he is one. And right. yeah, really, yeah, like yeah. Once again, that's you do all this stuff in secret, and it's hard to say whether you, you know. And it, it's it's interesting because it makes one think, like you know, the events in the book, the original book, and stuff like that. Was he really? Was he really? selfless in his pursuit to save humanity or did he just want the the glory of this right belief? because they talk about in the book how i think he idolized alexander the great as a child yes. like, like yeah. it, was, it was always his goal to do great things and and achieve great things for the world and change the world but he wanted that place in history like alexander the great mm-hmm. but if nobody knew what he did then he didn't have that right so mm-hmm. I feel like you could really tell a great story now about him being on trial, and finally, even though even though they're talking about probably executing him at the end of it, he's just happy mm-hmm. because he's he's finally getting recognition for what he's he got. My moment in the sun, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And my name is going to get written into history as the yeah. as as ending the Cold War, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I I I, I, I told, and I, and I and I saw an article uh, last night. I was doing some research, uh, trying to re- refresh my memory about all this, and I saw an article that said a recent article that was from this week that uh, that said that Damon Lindelof is planning to return to work uh, soon, um, and mm. and and he's not sure. Still, he says he's not sure if he's going to be able to come up with anything, but he's going to try. He's he's definitely. Mm. He's definitely intending to try to write another season, and and there's no promises as to um, if it'll happen or when, uh, mm. because it, they, the HBO did come out and officially reclassify the show as a limited series, and and there is That's no right. there is no guarantee they'll never do it again. They've said it's completely up to Lindelof. They've said, um, you know, they're so in love with the work that he did that they don't want to just replace him. They want to have him back. Um, but Lindelof has already said, you know, uh, Watchmen was not mine originally, and it's not my place to say that no one else should take it over. So if HBO wants to hire someone else to take it over, they're free to. Um, so the, like everything is very amicable. There's no tension between HBO and Lindelof about like that. There's not, nothing holding it up that way. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a case of man. The the idea of writing like this show, um, it's 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 so epic in its in its. <clears throat> It's proportion and scale, and it's such a task to write that um, he probably just needs some time. But I believe, he's oh yeah, I believe he's going to do it. I, I really do. What do you think? I yeah, don't know. Only time will tell on that one, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> so. and like I said, yeah, if there if there isn't another one, I'm perfectly content. I think yeah. it ended. I oh, like yeah. the ambiguity of the ending, and and I don't know. I sort of like those kind of story endings that you know. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you know, open-ended. sometimes the uh, open-ended one, you know, the idea of a one-and-done series because mm-hmm. everything gets goes beyond its best buy date in a lot of cases. Sure, and, and, and the the original Watchmen ended with hanging questions too, so you don't mm-hmm. have like it. Like it's not like it, it has to be continued. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I totally agree with you. If the, if this if this season stands alone as the only season of HBO's Watchmen, it's still fantastic. It's still an epic yeah. masterpiece. I put it on my shelf, um, and um, and I'll, I'll revisit it over and over because it's great. It's just great. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why one more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, much, it's the same feeling. I mean, I, I you know, 
like the same feeling that the comic inspired. You know, a lot of people were completely right. happy right. with the 12 issues and thought, you know, like it told what it had to do. And, you know, this was the first connected thing to really get that right in a lot of ways, which is interesting. And it's I have, funny that it would happen in television versus like the comics, which I, I don't think have ever anything right. that followed has ever recaptured what. You're right. It's it's it's, so fasc- it's fascinating how the TV show has kind of recaptured. So for something that was born out of comics, that television would be its natural successor, like, right? Versus right. film or versus other comics, right? And not even so much. The, I mean, it did capture the it did capture the spirit of the story. I think in a in a mm-hmm. it, it is a really fitting second chapter to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. more but more than that, it, it, it's amazing that it captured the whole like cultural thing that it did right it's mm-hmm. like the, the reaction to it is 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 very similar in so many ways that's a really great point mm-hmm. really, right and i have seen a lot of people online saying in you know that they don't think it should be continued that they do think it's perfect as is and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, that yeah like is, a close a, a close friend of mine from college who like really like it was his favorite comic of all time and he like very much put it on a on a pedestal and the show was once again, like for him, it was the first thing to follow that. And so he feels, yeah, as he's been you know, feeling that way as well. So mm. let it, yeah, let it stand. So, okay. We're used, we're used to getting burned. I think that's mm. like, yeah. And sometimes it's weird. Sometimes, yeah, when you go to the well, like when too many times, like, I mean, and you know, I've, I've probably asked both of you guys this with something like, like Star Wars, should do you feel it should have ended with Jedi and stayed there, or 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 not? Like, I mean, I know you guys really you'll still watch the new movies. It's a and very stuff like complicated that, question. If it had yeah. ended with just those <laughs> movies and the time period they were in, would you like? You would probably still be content, right? Like, yeah, or, it, it depends. Yeah, I'm uh, okay. No, no. Um, when it did end at Return of the Jedi, okay. When that when that did happen, like that was reality for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. didn't know. We didn't know if there was ever going to be any more. Um, mm-hmm. I really wanted more. I did. I was a kid. Okay. You know, maybe if I maybe yeah. maybe if it was today, uh, I would look at it differently. Um, mm-hmm. But in that moment, Do you feel no, like I desperately wanted more when when that yeah. was where I was. Has anything since? But it has anything since, like, no. No. Here's how, here's, here's how I feel. Here's how I feel. Here's how I feel. Say the Mandalorian. Which, I, mean, I, I think I think seems you're to ma- have made a lot of Star Wars fans happier than a lot of yeah. the movies. But but yeah, has that is, I think, is that still a hole that needs to be filled? Or I think the point you're closing in on is, um, given what we did get, um, would I prefer if that they had not carried on the story of, uh, of that story or mm-hmm. even, or do I, do I wish they hadn't even given us the prequels? Um, mm-hmm. kind of, yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to put a caveat there that that doesn't mean that I would want star Wars stories to stop. Like I, I still want the universe. Like I, 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 yeah, kinda, I kind of wish we just gotten other stories in the universe instead of, instead of, the way the original three stories were affected by everything that came after it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would rather they just went and told new stories in the same universe. Um, I definitely can agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, it is, it is tricky, right? So, cause mm-hmm. it, if you transport me back in time to right after return of the Jedi, I'm like, 
yes, I want the prequels. Yes, I want the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but but given what we did get, looking back, yeah, we would have been better off if we had just gotten other Star Wars stories. Mm-hmm. That being yeah. said, I'm I'm not I'm not hostile that they continued the Skywalker saga into nine movies. I mm-hmm. I, um, I still I still hold them as you know properties <laughs> that I, more, I, but I enjoy. The, but no, I the agree more with time Jer. goes yeah. on. Yeah, no, but I agree with time- Jer. Huh? Go ahead. <laughs> I was saying I agree with Jer. <laughs> it would have been totally cool if they uh, if they just did more within the Star Wars universe that didn't involve the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like if they um, they were rumoring a Old Republic trilogy, which I think would have been awesome. But right, and mm. we we always go there. I was about yeah. to say this. I was about I was about to say Old Republic too. I was about, yeah. I was about to say. If you if you ask me what is the best original Star Wars stuff besides the original trilogy, it's Old Republic. Mm-hmm. And and that is stuff that is completely disconnected. There's yeah. no thread that connects, you know, there's Jedi's and there's Sith and there's lightsabers and there's spaceships, right? But beyond that, there's no story thread. Mm. Um, no that, no that, skywalkers that, are involved. That connects them. Right. Mm. And um and and I think that 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 would be the better way to go with Lucasfilm is to do that kind of thing. Just okay, let's jump eight hundred years this way, so we have zero connection, and you know, let's get some really great storytellers. But uh, but the point I wanted to make that you just brought up for me was that, and here we go, we've turned into a Star Wars show again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the farther we get away from the the sequel series the more I fucking hate it, the more I think it's an abomination. And the more I think that, that Disney's path of just, of not having a plan for a, for a trilogy of not having, of not having story beats planned out for the three movies before they started making the three movies and of having just like three, three brand new fucking teams and three brand new fucking plans and just throwing shit at the wall and figuring out what sticks and what doesn't was, was an abomination. It was that's like, the, it, that's the I'll, Disney way though. It's just yeah. crank them out, make money. That's yeah, really what but, it comes down but, to. But, it. but, but, but Disney owns Marvel and Marvel does a great job of at least providing a faithful representation of, of, of what the fans of Marvel um, you know, really love and Star Wars has failed to do that, and I think the reason is uh, they don't have a Kevin Feige, they don't have a super yeah. fan, they don't have a super fan in charge of everything. Yeah. They have a they have a person who is a Hollywood producer, a super successful Hollywood producer, a super talented Hollywood producer who is not a super fan of Star Wars. Yeah. Kevin mm. Feige, Kevin Feige is a super fan of Marvel, always has been his entire life. Mm. There is no equivalent of that in charge of Star Wars, and I and I believe that is one hundred percent the 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 cause of our story woes um, in Star Wars. Yeah, is that partly because? Oh, sorry. No, I'm saying I agree. I one hundred percent agree with that statement. Um, is that partly too because they want to? I mean, as you were saying, you know, you guys would love to see an old Republic thing. Mm-hmm. Are they scared of that because of the fact that? The, not necessarily most of the public are not as deep nerdy as you are with this stuff. So yes. they just know the Skywalker shit. And that's well, weird. They that's took what we're going to give them. Yes. They took a risk with the Mandalorian and it that's was, what it was 100% successful. 
but how much of a risk right. did they take? Because that's just Boba Fett, and then yeah, and, 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 and maybe Yoda. And it's Boba no, Fett and Yoda. That's true. It's Boba Fett and Yoda. So true. so no no. Matt is making an excellent point in that even like everything that we are still getting is still connected to the original trilogy. Like right. we're yeah. getting. The Cassian Andor series, which is spin off of Rogue there's, One. There's we're getting yes. o- we're getting an Obi Wan series. Yeah. Uh, we're getting season two of Mandalorian. We're we're and all the rumors are just are all more stuff that's connected. And you're absolutely right. And then you can even talk about their next step, which is supposed to be a great leap away, which is the High Republic stuff, which is the Project Luminous stuff they're talking about now. But guess what? It's only 200 years in the past, so Yoda is going to be the star of all of that shit, too. So, yeah. so, so, Matt, your point is absolutely dead right, and you've actually just depressed me by pointing this out. We are never going to go into a completely original time period of Star Wars, ever. Because they, like, it's, it's like, you know, you saw that with, with Ryan Johnson's Attempts at trying something like new with the with yes. the Last Jedi and the, the look the, how the, mad they got yeah and that's like there was the nerd rage and all that stuff and and the fact that J.J. Abrams and the cast kind of threw him under the bus and stuff like that afterwards you know just like and we got to shoehorn all this this fan service or just or and not so much fan service but I guess it's like casual fan service in, in, in to like bring the audiences back and it's yeah, yeah and. They don't. I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's a sign of so much entertainment that that kind of going off into an original tan or original um, tangent within these types of things is just never done anymore. Yeah. So I think you know. Once again, I mean, Watchmen paid enough lip service, but went off in its own direction. Right. Uh, Definitely. Uh, that's you know. why Watchmen is such an unusual achievement. Like this is why mm-hmm. I get I get so excited and giddy over Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I can't believe what they achieved there because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. She mm-hmm. gets made, she gets made by committee. Mm-hmm. Artists artists like Lindelof don't get the respect and the freedom to to do bold and and challenging things. And um and we end up with messes like Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um you know I uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's only hope for Star Wars if we get a super fan in charge someday, and a super fan of Star Wars will understand that you you have to have creativity. You have to push forward and invent new things. You yeah, can't, you can't just constantly mimic and echo. Yeah, um, and you you can't do away with the source material, but at the same time, yeah, what you don't have to echo it all the time. Right. Like you like you put a lightsaber and a spaceship in there and put it a thousand years in the past. And give me completely different stories about completely different planets and different races and different, you know, everything. Uh, just make it feel like Star Wars because of 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 elements that exist in the universe and only mm-hmm. exist in the Star Wars universe. And yes, the fans will come, but as long as you tell a good story, as long as you, yeah, as long as you have the right people, you know, creating this for us. Um, yeah, it's it's all there. Um, and 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 you know my hope is just that Star Wars has become such a big thing. There's so much to Star Wars now mm-hmm. that they will create a little corner somewhere. You know the way, the way. And if, I was going to say MCU, but it wasn't. It was it was uh, Fox who created Deadpool, 
and created that little corner of Fox mm. movie, that R-rated corner mm-hmm. of, of Fox movie going, um, which is now in the MCU or supposedly going to be. But my hope was that maybe, you know, Lucasfilm could find that. There's some corner of Lucasfilm somewhere where somebody will get to make some graphic novel or some book or some game that is finally, you know, taking an, a more adult storytelling approach and a, and a create more creative approach. That's completely. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That is my true hope for star Wars, that that will happen. Um, and you know, as long as, as long as MCU is still doing stuff that's worthwhile, I think that there's still hope that it could, but it's fading. It's dimming. It's dimming. It is. dimming. <laughs> Yeah, when something, it's the thing, I guess, with the MCU thing, when something becomes successful, it gets, gets trotted out over and over and over again, so. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, Fe- Feige has so much control there now that yeah. like, if you believe in him, if you believe that his talent is really the secret sauce there, then then you should have faith that, you know, it can it can keep going. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just, fact that- we just got to move that over to Star Wars, too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, but like Warner brothers is doing great things with DC that is completely different than what MCU is doing. Right. Yeah. That was smart. And it's, it's kind of a patchwork. It's kind of a quilt, but it's, but there's so much great stuff at at DC right now. Um, yeah. The mistake they made was trying to just, yeah. Follow the Marvel model. Right. And that was not the right way to go about it. Right. <laughs> Definitely. They hit the panic button on Zack Snyder stuff, right? And mm-hmm. they're in the middle of too much to do that. And huge missteps like the like Mustache Gate happened. Um, <laughs> but since then, no, it's coming together great over at Warner. And they don't have a Feige, you know? They, they have, uh, you know, more of a team kind of approach to it. So... You know, other companies can do can do good stuff too. That yeah, yeah. That you know, who knows what'll happen at Disney and Lucasfilm in the future? Star Wars will go on forever. So thirty years from now, maybe <laughs> thirty years from now, maybe we'll, we'll be like, oh, remember those twenty years where everything was shitty? <laughs> Thank God we're past that. Thank God we're past that. Yeah. I don't All know. Right. So, I'm looking forward to Dune. What about you, Matt? Dune. Um. We'll see. Yeah, it's weird. I've never read the the books. No. Or um, the David Lynch film. I've seen the David Lynch film, and that's pretty fascinating. <laughs> it's an odd movie. I mean, I'm, I, it's not among my favorite David Lynch movies because I just okay. prefer his weird shit. But it's, right. it, it was a noble attempt at uh, an oddball like him doing a blockbuster. Right. But um, I've liked everything I've seen of Villeneuve, so <laughs> that at least has me intrigued i um i'm i'm concerned about the dune film yeah it's another one it's another one of those things it's such a dense source material like i think it's other than like blade runner 2049 like it's like uh, you know what a great movie blade runner 2049 was but kind of dense and inaccessible to a mainstream audience so it didn't really Mm. do that do that well Mm -hmm. i have a feeling Villeneuve is making the greatest space opera of all time right now, and it's going to be my favorite mi- film of all time. And then it's going to underperform at the box office. <laughs> oh yeah, 
But once again, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's gonna be hard to see until we start seeing some uh, some trailers and stuff like that. Right, either, we right? need to start yeah. seeing some dude promo, and it's 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 so close now. It's in November, um, yeah. so yeah. we well, it might should... get pushed you back even further now with all this. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's knows? true. Coronavirus thing going on. We haven't know. even mentioned that the world is ending around us no, tonight. We, <laughs> haven't, we haven't. I am Everything sorry, is I have being to bring it up. Answered. I brought it up. Everything Let this be our escape from that. We just we just canceled my my poor son. His second birthday uh, party was next weekend, and we just canceled it because uh, uh, everything on Earth is being canceled for coronavirus yep. right now. Um, so yeah, yeah we maybe, were supposed to... maybe there'll never be a dude. Who knows? <laughs> Straight to streaming. That's everything's going to go to streaming services. Yeah, true that. Can't watch anything in public anymore. <laughs> yeah. Maybe World War Z any second. Yeah. Will Brad Play World War World War TP. That's the great the great toilet paper wars of 2020. Yeah. People are so obsessed with this toilet paper situation. <laughs> It is. It is uh, comical. <laughs> Every post in my Facebook feed is about toilet paper right now. Every yes, single post. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that shit gray. So, when the world's gone to shit, you need the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, are we done talking about uh, the Watchmen? Because it seems like uh, we, uh, you know what. <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe we we covered everything we wanted to cover there. Um, we got we dove deep. We we dove as deep as we could. Um, but there's, uh, you know, we could we could talk about that show forever. There's so much. Yeah, yeah. you sort of think of things after the fact. No, yeah, yeah like all the uh, time. And you know, uh, we could have talked about uh, Looking Glass a lot more. What a great character! Mm. We didn't even mm-hmm. talk about we didn't talk about Lube Man at all. Um, but uh, Lube Man, of course, uh, is is most people's favorite uh, vigilante character from Watchmen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, mm. man, what a show! What a show! Probably the greatest season of superhero television ever made, in my opinion. Uh, episode six. Episode was, six. Yeah, I on. have a strong. I would. I would definitely argue that episode six might be the best episode of television ever made. Yeah. No, was, um, in my opinion. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, and, I, you know, and, the, and and the body from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was <laughs> prior to this. So. Yeah, genre television. It's pretty remarkable. What about, what about the gentleman caller? Callers. Ooh. That, yeah, that, that was a good one. That's my favorite. Yeah, that. The gentleman um, caller. What are you talking about? Buffy. Oh, okay. Sorry, you lost me at Buffy. We were talking sorry. about Buffy. <laughs> Catch up, Kev. Come I'm on. sorry, but <laughs> um, Buffy started and ended with the movie. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Paul Rubens Ooh, was, all day, was, motherfucker. Paul yeah. Rubens all day. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I, lo- I love my PW, but those can be fighting words there. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But yeah, all right. Um, yeah. So anyway, if we're gonna rate it, I don't know if we're gonna rate it, but it's definitely a ten out of ten for me. Like I, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I hope there's a season I think, two. Yeah, some of the best television of yeah. I, Ten years. If, if there's never a season two, it's fine because like this yep. is such an achievement. But I do hope we get one because man, I I want television to be this good forever. It's never been this <laughs> good before. Uh, but if it could continue, I would please like that. Thank you. 
Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, More of this television. Yeah. No, yes. I, I really dug it. Um, I think I'm sitting at a nine. Um, Very good. Yeah, no, it was great. It really, it really hooked me in uh, at episode six. That's when, that's when I got mm. hooked. So, and I remember telling even Jer, like when I was watching, I'm like, dude, episode six. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I still, think- and also like sort of, hmm? and I like for you know for yourself as a person of color, I mean, also really interesting to have like that well, kind of experience. That's the one thing that uh, I remember. Kevin, are you black? Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Um, <laughs> Depends depends where I am where I am, but uh, no, I was even saying to Jer when I first started watching it, I was like, dude, I didn't realize this show was going to be so racially charged. Yeah, no, like, the, mm-hmm. completely out of left field, right? right? Yeah, because right, 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 right the original right the was not. Yeah, right from the yeah. get go, it's like fucking yeah. clan invading like this town and shit, and fucking lynching. The, I was like. Dude, holy shit! Right? Yeah, Christ, it so, doesn't pull any punches. No, it definitely doesn't. And then uh, it, it it didn't necessarily continue that high in episode two, but there was still a lot of racial tension in episode two and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, it was no. Like I said, I, I really Remember? I really dug it. Uh, it was it was very sorry. I just you just reminded me of a. I, remember, holy crap! Like there's. So many, so many dropped threads in this show. Yeah. Remember, I think it was episode two, maybe it was episode one. Yeah. The 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 flashback where Will was in World War Two fighting the Nazis, and the Nazis were dropping pl- pamphlets on the soldiers on the black That's soldiers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the pamphlet was like, "Why are you fighting for America when yeah. they treat you so shitty?" That's right. And, That's right. And black people in Germany are equals and respected, and you should fight for us. Yeah. And I remember at that point thinking right. that that this show was going to get into like that kind of shit, like yeah. like like an alternate German, like a Nazi thing where yeah. they're not the bad guys completely like yeah. maybe rewriting because, history like yeah yeah like mm-hmm. what a fucking great show like that was never great. touched on again that was never touched on again but yeah. it, it was just a great moment it's that nice was little, yeah showing you that the black experience in america like why would a black man be loyal to america and mm-hmm. that that moment was like whoa like so yeah yeah. But also like another another sort of interesting aspect there was like his experience as part of the Minutemen where you know like uh uh Captain Metropolis like you know seems like this very liberal type of do gooder type you know um it obviously just sort of sees him as a tool to make him feel better about himself in a lot of ways you know it's like yeah look at look how aggressive right. I am I'm having sex right. with a black man but yeah. I'm also not letting him pursue what he's trying to pursue. Like, don't, you're not above your station type of thing, but like, it's okay. You know, that type of like, sort of like weird kind of like, like do gooder kind of type of liberalism. That's like very superficial. Like that was an interesting thing. Right, and I, right, but it's right. interesting that he left him with his fortune in the end too. So that was like, interesting like, to me. You know, the guilt also, took over. Yeah. You know, as we forgot to talk about the fact that he became the first black cop. Remember, mm, yeah. Right. Whole, no, he was the second black cop. Was he, he was sworn second? in by another black. That's, that's right. right. That's right. right. He was right, sworn right. in by a senior black officer. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, senior right. white officer wouldn't swear him yes, in. He, he because, was like, 
He he gave him a warning before he did whatever. I don't remember the line, but yeah, yeah. Look out, watch out for the cyclops, or beware the cyclops. cyclops. Yeah, 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 that's it. The cyclops was was the faction of the KKK that was secretly operating behind the scenes. Yeah, very racially racially charged, racially driven. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. was, Yeah, that was a very complex. I hope it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Yeah. Yeah. Even more so than like, uh, it gave me uh, vibes of um, *Handmaid's Tale* in a couple of places, mm. which is mm-hmm. another another amazing show. Which I've never great, watched. One of the oh man, some of the best writing on television on *Handmaid's Tale*. Nice. For, yeah. for sure, for sure. Anyway, um, uh, did you, so Kev give it a nine out of ten? Did you give it a number rating yet, Matt? Matt, I, I'd, say, I'd probably I'd probably go with what you said, Jer. I'd, I'd say a ten. All right. Uh, or a 9.89. <laughs> so it, uh, definitely high on the spec. I'm terrible with giving ratings. Yeah, no, it's a weird thing to do. Guys. You're right. Uh, mm. Highly recommended. Definitely worth the hype. Yeah, cool. it's definitely we worth a watch. Uh, even if you haven't mm-hmm. seen, even if you haven't seen the 2000, would we say nine movie or the, nine, yeah, uh, read the comics? Or read the I book. still feel like it's a good watch. Uh, you could go I think so into too. It. Yeah, you could go into a blind without even really knowing much. Precisely. So yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, need you I don't need dozens of years of continuity in history or mm-hmm. any of that type of bullshit. Like it. Well, once like again, I said, like it, I said earlier, how it doesn't insult the audience's intelligence. Yeah, it can right, draw you in right. as a new person. Yeah, and like without I said, it having it's not preaching. Yeah, it rewrites history as well, right? So. Hmm. Hmm. It's a yeah. great. It's not just sense alternate history like if you like yeah um, like like the man in the high castle if you're a fan of that mm-hmm. uh that is has a vibe like that uh, to it mm-hmm. and it's not in the sense too like if it's rewriting the history of like of hooded justice not in the sense that it's just trying to be provocative or like or oh. score brownie points oh, for progressiveness adds, or something like that it, it made adds, sense yeah. yeah and it adds so much depth and 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 rich texture to the character that wasn't there before and on, mm-hmm. the to- on the topic of not needing the backstory uh, to get into it, that's right, because this show is so well told and so well made that you will enjoy the ride whether you know the backstory or not. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's but that's another reason why this show has like added value because it is going to get you interested in the in the backstory, and then you are going to go want to go and watch the 2009 movie and maybe even read the graphic novels. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and and there's so much, you know, this, this whole rich world of Watchmen out there waiting for you to discover that this show can be the gateway for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you know even Alan Moore secretly likes it too. You know what? <laughs> I I in a in a perfect world, Alan Moore would have like a nice day where he would just sit down and watch it, and 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 you know just be healed, feel healing. Uh, yeah. But 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 I don't think that's going to happen. I think. I think <laughs> I think Alan's a little too broken for that, and <laughs> I feel him, man. I like I don't, I don't blame him. Wouldn't it be weird? Like, wouldn't it be weird? Like this, this thing that he created is out there making all this money for HBO. You know, getting all the success, and his name isn't even on it. He's not getting a penny for it. He because he refused it, but yeah. But at the same time, it's good that Dave Gibbons is getting some uh, something from it. Though, sure, so. sure. <laughs> But at the but at the same time, that's your creation. Like I can't, I can't imagine as a writer, like yeah. my creation being out there having a life of its own that I am mm. not, I am not even benefiting from or connected to in any way. Like that's weird. That's weird. Sure. I, I would find that weird too. Yeah, but guys, I guess this, sorry, go ahead. 
I guess as as the artist type he is, though, I mean, I suppose he just, you know, the work stands out. He'll always be remembered, you know, the Ozymandias thing of, of being remembered for what you've created, right. sometimes better than than the sort of material benefits of it. So yeah. it seems he'll like always he, have that. It seems like he has a firewall in his head. Like, like, my Watchmen was that comic book, and everything else is just not me. It's just not, it's not mm-hmm. my thing and somehow he's able to not see this as his thing Mm -hmm. and and i hope that's the case because you know uh, i hope he has peace i hope he has that peace anyway (laughs) anyway guys uh i want to i want to say even though we are a couple of months late in making this episode i'm glad we did because yes this this is not an ordinary season of television this is not some show that you know what you're interested in while you're following along with it and then it's out of your mind once it's over this is an achievement um, uh, of creative work that mm-hmm. is going to stand the test of time, that is always going to sit on people's shelves as a beloved um, uh, episode of television, or series of season of television. Yeah. It and needs some time to stew on it a little too, I think. Sure. Which is, sure. is good for, you know, this is my excuse for keeping you guys waiting for so No, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I'm glad we're going to have this episode sitting in our catalog because people are always going to be interested in this show and people are mm-hmm. always, are always going to be looking for, you know, information about this show. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a classic. It is, it is, a, it is definitely, um, going to stand the test of time. There's no way it can't. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, thanks for having, thanks for coming tonight, Matt. And, uh, thanks for us. having me. Please come back yeah, again soon. Don't we'll stay do. away too long. Um, you know, we, we need the listens, so um uh I'll give him the magic. <laughs> bring the magic back, please do. Please do. Um yeah. I was thinking about um I don't know what it would be what would be a good subject for you to come back uh Godzilla, back, back next. King Kong versus Godzilla, Go- when when is that? When is that supposed it's to come out? That's November, I think. So yeah, I think it probably yeah. it probably got pushed too because of the corona, right? Because right, right. originally it was um, supposed to be early twenty twenty, right? Remember correctly, but yeah, it was supposed to be like about now, yeah, yeah like, like, um, yeah, April, May, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, about, what about Invisible Man? Did you see that? Were you interested in that at all? I haven't watched that Um, yet. I didn't get, get around to seeing it, but I mean, the descriptions I read of it sounded pretty fascinating, like an mm-hmm. interesting new take on, on that story. People are talking about it. This, this monster verse, uh, still being revived, um, and maybe. Maybe now Invisible Man is the new centerpiece they're going to try to build around. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll see how that develops. But um, it's hard. It seems like a hard one, like the description in the movie, because it's all about domestic, like a psychosexual abuse to like yeah. build a franchise out of. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. I don't get it. But <laughs> yeah, okay. to me, Invisible Man was always like we like every version of Invisible Man I've seen. I've thought, well, this is just creepy. Like, why would I want to watch yeah. this? Like, like I don't know. Um, going going back to Alan Moore, he yeah, he the way he included him in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was pretty much as a sexual predator, right? And deviant. So yeah, like it really is the heart of the character. Yeah, yeah it's a weird thing. Anyway, yeah. um, mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay in touch, obviously. We'll figure out a, yeah, we'll figure a reason, figure reason to get you back as soon as possible because we, we really enjoy having you, man. Absolutely. I like to pontificate, too. So it's always good to chat with you guys. Yeah. 100. It's always good to have you. Thank you. Uh, Kev, uh, any thoughts? Any, uh, I don't know. What's coming up? What are we What are we looking forward to in the next little bit? We're, oh, we're going to come back and talk about more, more Picard soon. Yeah. That series that series only has uh, two episodes left. Yeah. Um, and um, I gotta play catch up with that one too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I actually talked to our buddy Johnny Mac in England uh, mm-hmm. about coming to, about coming on with us to uh, after maybe after the finale, maybe to wrap up uh, season one of Picard. Oh, okay. Because uh, he's he's a Star Trek fan too. Um, All right. Other you than know, that, other... movies coming up, like everything is being pushed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they just announced that. Um, uh, what's it called? The the horror uh, uh, X Men film. What's it called again? Uh, New Mutants. Oh, New Mutants. That got pushed. That's right. Yeah, That's bumped that again. Pushed. Oh my god. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Fast and the Furious Nine, which I know you're hyped about. Pushed. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there was something else. That's right. They had to uh, stop filming of that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Something else got bumped too, and I'm drawing a blank on what it is. Poor you know Tom what? Hanks Man. has the coronavirus. Like, Oof. man, I yeah. don't know, man. This world. Yo, when Tom when Tom Hanks is down, America is down. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's 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 serious now. It's yeah. serious now. now for it sure. just mm-hmm. became serious for sure. Yeah, so, now time to time to take action. Yeah. So just, maybe our next maybe our next episode will be an hour and a half of us just listing things that have been canceled because of coronavirus. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm probably going to go see Bloodshot tomorrow. Uh, oh. New Vin Diesel film. You um, are a sucker for punishment. My yeah, friend. it looks bad, but um, one of my buddies asked me to go see it, so I was like, sure. I'll, You're I'll gonna go. rate it a nine. Uh, hey, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, it's sitting at twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I think. Oh, it was. oh nice. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah. Uh, that that was a weird thing about Watchmen. I forgot to mention. It's 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 another Rotten Tomatoes kind of uh, divisive one, huh? It's Is it's it? like a nine. It's like a ninety percent. Uh, um, sorry, uh, critic rating and like a 55% audience rating. Really? Mm. And I believe that there might be some manipulation going on there with that audience rating. I believe it's like a right wing thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, it makes sense. Because they're mad about the whole racial storyline being brought into the thing. They're, They're calling it woke. No woke men. So you know, as soon as you hear them call something woke, you know they they mobilize the bots online. Yeah, yes, right. So SJWs taking over our entertainment. Yes, exactly, uh, exactly. So I think that off. I think that might have happened with Watchmen uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so yeah. don't believe don't believe that Rotten Tomatoes score. It's a great anyway. Mm-hmm. Listen to the critics in this case because they're, yes. they're right. Critics <laughs> are right this time. Don't believe mm-hmm. the hype. <laughs> <laughs> so Kev uh, is there anyone in the chat with a question before we wrap up uh, episode 45 of Too Old for This Podcast um, I believe there is um, and her Who name do we have? her name is it's Janet Miss Jackson if you're nasty and uh, well Miss Jackson <laughs> I, I definitely am nasty so, <laughs> so go ahead uh, with your question your question that's the end Absolutely, it is. I believe it is. I believe it is. So let's wrap up episode forty-five. I'm too old for this podcast tonight. 
from myself, Jeremy Dove, and my partner, Kevin Evans, and our good friend, Matt Daly. Thank you for listening. Please check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash too old for this podcast, spelled with a two and a four, the way 90s rappers spell. Also check us out on, on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash too old for this pod, mm-hmm. also spelled with a two and a four. You know, um, follow us and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Uh, rate us. Please rate us. Nobody ever rates us. Give yeah. us a rating. Yeah. We could use it. Um, and you know what? Uh, invite your friends to like us on Facebook. That's the most important thing you can do for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I have nothing else to say this week except just chill. Till the next episode. DJ Kevin Kevin,